tuned into this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from a full episode with Dan Baker and it is episode number 280 where he discusses all things velocity-based training but in, in particular velocity loss and how we can use velocity loss to focus on various different adaptations whether it be hypertrophy, whether it be max strength, etc, etc. So a really interesting clip coming up with Dan. But just before we do dive into this episode, I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're interested in a free solution to be able to collect, analyse, visualise and present data to coaches, check out AMS Lite from Rock Daisy at rockdaisy.com. So I know it's, like I say a couple of times, it's three years since we spoke last time. Is there anything new in the world of VBT, whether it be tech, whether it be how people are actually using it? that's changed in that time that would be interesting for people to to hear about given your vast traveling and experience? Um, well, there's a lot more tech now available, uh, a lot more tech. Um, Just let's, let's, what people don't sorry, realize. Sorry to interrupt, Dan. Is that a good thing? There's more tech available or does that confuse things, confuse the end user? It can confuse you and use it because people jump onto the market and, you know, what are the validations of these things? I mean, if you look at the latest study on push, it was found to be extremely accurate um, in a study done. And then you looked at free weights and Smith machine and it was extremely accurate, extremely valid. Uh, yet people say, oh, I read it, it wasn't accurate. Now, what people never report, and I posted this on social media somewhere, but one of the guys at my um, workshop uh, is – what barbell were you using? What was the device that was receiving the signal? Was it an Android device? Was it an Apple device? Was it iPhone 5? Or was it a modern one? And if we look at something like an Alico weightlifting bar, they have bar whip. So if you lift over 140 with any sort of Olympic bar, but especially a good Alico bar, and they're designed this way on purpose. I mean, it's you know to help people in weightlifting. Ends of the bar whip up more than the center when you lock out really fast on a squat or a push press or a jerk, especially if it's over 140K. Now, where do you put your device to get the measurement? Is it out near the end of the bar? Is it in the center of the bar? So these things can affect the scores. And I don't think that, I don't think that people realize where you place your device to measure the, the score is important. And you must have consistency when you do that. So for me, I always place it uh, beside my left hand when I squat. And in the center of the bar when I bench press, but if I'm doing uh, push presses, I don't want it in the center because it's going to hit the back of my neck or something. I put it exactly where I squat, same place, every single time. So I get very consistent scores. But I see some people uh, they put it different places on different days and wonder why they get different scores. Um, and then, you know, I've got a different score in this bar compared to that bar. Well, that's an Alico weightlifting bar. The other bar is a powerlifting bar. It's got a different... Um, restitution a different whippiness so people need to realize the whippiness of bars can impact your scores and so when they look at research say oh that device is not found out to be accurate did they mention what bar they were using okay you have to look what type of bar so things like that um the other big thing that is good though is there's a lot of research now on uh using velocity and recovery and looking at, okay, well, if I stop my sets at a certain velocity speed or percentage velocity loss across a set, uh, what is the time frame of my recovery? So, you know, if we have, if we look at squats, 
if we do a really hard set that's close to failure, if say we're doing sets of six or eight reps and it's close to failure, the velocity loss from my first rep to my last rep will be over 40%. But if if I may say I've got an eight RM and I only do four reps, my velocity loss might only be 20%. And then if I only do maybe two reps, it might be 10 or 20%. Now, obviously, if I do less reps, less loss, velocity loss, I can recover quicker. And there's been a lot of research documenting the time frames of recovery on different velocity losses. Now, clearly, less velocity loss, quicker recovery. And that's not rocket surgery, to know that. Uh, but then people have gone about started spousing, oh, we should only train at 20% velocity loss because you recover quicker. Well, if you only train at 20% velocity loss, you're not gonna be pushing hard. Sooner or later, that, that, that looks good in an eight-week study or a six-week study, but when you're training rugby players who have a 30-week in-season and, a, say, a 12-week pre-season, you can't just train a 20% velocity loss for 42 weeks. You don't get strong doing that. You don't maintain muscle. So there's some good research on velocity loss and recovery, but people are extrapolating long-term training methods based on a short-term study, and I see that as worrying. That uh, you would only train with a 10% velocity loss or 20% velocity loss or things like that. You know, it, it you know had this thing called periodization. It seems to have worked because it works. Um, you know, there's times we're having a higher velocity loss or days of the week you know, where you have a higher velocity loss because you're training harder to effort level eight or nine and other days where you, you have a moderate velocity loss and other days where it might be a really low velocity loss because um, you want to recover quicker. So lots of good research, but be aware of uh, over, overarching and overriding statements that we should restrict our velocity loss to a certain percentage. They're short-term studies typically done on university students from Spain or not just Spain, but from anywhere, um, could be anywhere. Like, they do a lot of good research in Spain. There's a lot of statements coming from the re- – when people look at the research, I'm not saying Spanish researchers, but people look at it and saying, oh, we should only train that 10% velocity loss or 20% velocity loss. You know, you, you just can't do that for long-term training, you know, 40-something weeks a year, 50 weeks a year, eight, 10 years in an athlete's career. You just won't make progress, progress, and you actually regress. So, I know this may sound obvious, but in terms of different velocity loss percentages, what? How do you change it depending on the focus? So, max strength focus, hypertrophy focus. How does that change the velocity loss moving through them that that range? Anything with max strength, I don't even look at the velocity loss. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's I use RPE. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's related to your velocity loss anyhow. Okay, explain but that to us. Uh, well, um, yeah, your RPE is related to your velocity loss, so uh, or the or, or the speed. Uh, your RPE is related to how far away from your minimum velocity threshold you are. So, if if I um, did a first rep, say I did a three RM the other week on the squat, and the first rep was um, uh, 0.38, the second one's 0.34, and the last one's 0.29. So any below 0.3, it's so close to 10, up to effort level 10 or, or max velocity, uh, minimum velocity threshold of 0.25, they can call it a 10 or a 9.5. But that velocity loss of um, from 0.38 to 
0.29, that only represents, what, uh, 15 or 20%? But that was as hard as you can go. So when you're lifting really heavy, sometimes these velocity loss percentages, they don't really, uh, they're not applicable. You're only doing three reps. So there's not a big velocity loss anyhow. It's maximum effort. Um, you know, my wife did a set once. The first rep was 0.32. The second rep was 0.28. She couldn't have done a, a third rep and put a gun to her head. Done. So yeah. that 0 .04, 0 0.04 represents one-eighth of, of, you know, 0.04 to, related to 0.32. So it's 15% velocity loss. So we're going to say, oh, oh, you should have been able to go to 40%. No, she was a 2RM. That's it. <laughs> uh, no, there's no more extra reps. So when you get lifted really heavy, it's the percentage velocity loss is not so important. It's, you know, how far away from failure you are from your minimum velocity threshold. That's what it counts and, and your RPE level, which is related to it. So I, I don't have uh, a percentage when I'm looking at max strength training. I use the absolute velocity score, the absolute score. So what is your last rep and what is your first rep rather than a percentage? So I know that, okay, first rep in my 3RM is always around in the high threes, 0 0.37, 0 0.38. My, uh, if it's a 2RM or the second rep of a 3RM, it's going to be in the low threes, 0 0.32, 0 0.33, 0 0.34. And if it's a third rep of a 3RM or fifth rep of a 5RM, it's going to be below 0 0.3 or 0 0.3 and below. So we just look at absolute scores when we're lifting heavy. Don't get worried about percentages and that bullshit. Just Okay, this is my score, boom, and this is how far away from failure I am. So, uh, you know, so, say you plan to do a 2RM and you, you do 150 kilos and your second rep on a squat was, you know, 0.38, but you know your velocity at minimum threshold is 0.25, hey, let's put 165 or 167 on the bar because you're not there yet. You, you, we know you have more in you. Let's do that extra set. So use that rather than percentages. But when you're main, trying to recover quicker and emphasize speed and power in the workout, yeah, then we want to minimize our velocity loss to, you know, if it's squatting, uh, uh, if you really want to minimize it, 10% or less. If you want uh, a figure of 20% is a good figure for maintenance. So on my, I have a day, if I talk about my personal training, which I hate doing, but I have a, a day where, on my last set, it's what I call my moderate day. It's roughly around 20% velocity loss. So I do five reps at 80%. So that maintains strength, builds a little bit of muscle, maintains a little bit of strength, et cetera, et cetera. It's where it's not here nor there. I have a heavier day where you know, I don't even look at the percentage. I just look at the number, uh, you know, <laughs> number of the first rep and the number of the last rep. So if it's an RP9, I know what I'm supposed to go to. If it's an RP8, I don't know what I'm supposed to go to. If it's RP10, or 9.5, I know what, I keep putting on weight till I get that, <laughs> till I get that uh, velocity and effort level. And then if you have a real speed day, then you want to make, minimize that velocity loss to maybe 10% on squats. If it's jump squats, it's 5%. If it's clean, it's 5%. If it's bench press, we can almost double those numbers, or one and a half times those numbers. So when you bench press a really high rep set, say 10 reps, you can looking at maybe 60% velocity loss if it's close to failure, if at level nine or 9.5 or 10. If you're only doing five reps at a 10 rep max, it might be 25 or 30% velocity loss. If you're doing 
three reps at a 10 rep max, you might only be looking at 10 or 15% velocity loss. So that's just, if you're doing three reps at a 10 rep max or three reps at 75%, you're emphasizing velocity, you want to minimize that velocity loss. Now, they're, they're the three different ways or three different zones, you know, I think. So if, you, if you're looking at velocity loss and you mentioned before about the, so it's your, your first rep that you're basing this off, is that right? Yeah, yeah, first rep in a set, yeah. Yeah, so then then people are them anomalies that maybe the second rep, does the tech detect that that second rep is actually the best one and we're going to go off that or is it always the first? Yeah, yeah it does. Well, it depends on the tech, but the push okay. does anyhow. Okay. Yeah. And if you get if you get a second rep is better than the first, there's something wrong with your technique or your psychological preparation. That's what I always find. And, and I, that happens to me often when I travel. Um, I miss a few days training. I'm out of the groove. Uh, your first rep is a bit wonky. Um, you Between the first rep and the second rep, you give yourself a psychological uppercut. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, you fix, fix your shit up on the second or third rep and the velocity goes up. Uh, and so we do see that. Or someone's a bit of a, a, a scaredy cat with a heavy squat or a heavy deadlift and um, you know the first rep gives them a bitch slap to the head and they fire up. They do better in the second and third. Well, there's something wrong with their psychological preparation or, or their technique. They're just a little bit off uh, or out of the groove. So it does happen, uh, but we always want our best rep to be our first rep normally. So when someone's in good shape and their technique is good and they're psychologically well-prepared, it should be their first rep. Except with rows, rowing exercises is different because you've got that concentric start. Mm-hmm. Or any okay, exercise cool. that's concentrically, it could be a second rep. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip came from episode number 280 with Dan Baker, and you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today, and I'll chat to you next time.